Welcome to Audio Fiction from VoxFabula.com. This is Sentinel by John Tusk, read by John Prasinski. What were you thinking? Will sighed as his mind raked for a reply. He hated these interrogation questions. There was nothing you could say to them that wouldn't make it worse. Candidate replies hovered before him. I don't know. I thought it was a good idea at the time. I'm sorry. As Will explored each one, he saw them being chopped down. There was nothing he could say. He sighed and loosened his school tie. A heat was collecting under his blazer. Well, his stepfather asked, his stern stare drilling into him. Will raised his gaze and looked to Mr. Meller. I'm sorry, he muttered slowly. What were you thinking? His stepfather repeated, raising his voice. I guess. Will started, desperately looking around the stuffy blue office for an excuse. What had he been thinking yesterday afternoon when Steve passed him the plastic bottle of gin? The math lesson had been unbearable, but it was more than that. It had been an act of rebellion, mainly toward his stepfather, whom he hated. Michael knew this. On the rare occasions where he and his stepson were at home at the same time, it was always tense. I guess I thought it was a good idea at the time. How was it a good idea? What part of it was a good idea? Michael pressed his pointy clean face aiming venomously at his stepson. Will smirked inside. The reply was just as he had predicted. What part of getting drunk in school ever looked like a good idea to you? Michael fumed. You broke a kid's nose, for God's sake. You know you're a mean drunk, Will, and you know you're a bully, and you know you're a coward. That wanker hit me first. Will retaliated, frowning at his stepfather. You were fucking drunk! Michael shouted, his face flustering and red. Will glared at him and shut up. There was no use. Michael walked far ahead, which gave Will time to appreciate the crowds of pupils cheering him out of school. In the midst of his bowing and grinning, he passed a reassuring nod to Steve, whom he hadn't ratted out. Some older lads broke into clapping, and soon the whole school was applauding. Teachers stood behind their windows, most of them shaking their heads. The mass of pupils followed Will to his car, where Michael was. Some were chanting his name now, and the mob was growing by the second. As Will turned from his fans, a smile of pure contempt on his adolescent face, Michael swung at him. Will dodged, and the mood plummeted. Michael swung again, his sharp face full of rage, and struck Will in the face. Stunned, Will took a few steps back, blinking, only to receive another blow to the jaw. A teacher was pushing his way through the swarm of pupils. Michael glowered at Will, then, under the eyes of everyone, turned his back. The school watched as he walked to his Mercedes. The spotlight turned to Will, who, as if on cue, rushed at his stepfather. There was a tremendous cheer from the audience as he bolted for the car. The two scuffled at the car. The teacher reached them. What's happening? The voice of Steve echoed from the back. Nobody could really answer. The teacher and the angle of the car were in the way. All of a sudden, Will broke free and sprinted up the road. The horde of pupils kicked up again, leaping and yelling in a frenzy. 
Michael dragged himself from the pavement, wiping his face with a handkerchief and pushing the teacher aside in humiliation. He slammed the car door and started his car to the jeers of the pupils. As Michael sped off in the opposite direction to Will, one hand on his bleeding nose, a stone flew from the back of the horde of students and cracked the rear window. Michael was absolutely livid. Will was absolutely exploding with thrill. Everyone milled around for a few minutes as the excitement cooled down. The rest of the teachers arrived and they were herded back into the building. After meeting up with Steve and the rest after school, Will didn't get back until very late. He could hear them arguing as he drew closer to the front of his house, an early Victorian eight-bedroom cottage. As the front door shut behind him, his parents fell silent. He didn't look into the living room as he walked past. His eyes were fixed on the patch of carpet a meter in front of his face. He made his way down the corridors on his way to his room. His eldest stepsister, Dot, looked up from her textbooks as he stormed past. He was too embarrassed to look at her. Finally, he reached his room, which was situated above the garage, separate from the main building. He thumbed the switch, the light snapped on, and his computers whirred into life. His room was too big. Opposite the banister for the stairs was a long desk of papers and screens. To the right of this were the bookcase and bed, and opposite these the wall leading to the end suite, covered in a collage of photos and certificates. Will threw his shirt on the floor, put on some loud music, and started working out. After half an hour, his long, ponytailed hair was dank with sweat. He lay back on his bed and sighed. He hated being at home. He had nothing to do despite the thousands of TV channels and bottomless internet. He wanted a snack, but as always, wasn't leaving his room until he had left the house. This was the exact reason he hated being at home. He was a prisoner. He wondered if his parents had told Dot yet, or if she had worked it out for herself. She was very quick like that. He checked his computer. He had a few messages from a girl he had met that evening. They read, Hey, uh, how much trouble you in? Please ring and tell me I'm all alone and bored out of my mind. Hey, uh, me again. There must be lots of trouble. Chat to you in school. He sighed, closed them, and started to pace around his room. Fuck, 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 he muttered. What had he done? Would he be allowed back in school? Were the police involved? What were his parents going to do? He strolled over to the bookcase and plucked out the jungle book. He flicked through it and looked at the pictures before tossing it aside. He had a long shower and clipped his nails onto the carpet. The boredom droned in again. If only he could fall asleep. He glanced at the clock. Oh, oh, 23, it blinked back at him. Had Steve really thrown the rock at the car? He had claimed to, but no one had seen him do it. He was too close to his exams for his parents to move him to a new school. Dot was probably in bed right now. The door opened. His mother peered her head around the corner. She looked at him, and he looked back. Tears swelled in her eyes. He looked emotionlessly back at her. I'm, she started, I'm so ashamed of you. He broke free of the eye contact as she exploded into tears and left. A bad feeling was stirring in Will's stomach, but he was not ashamed of himself. Will awoke knowing someone was in the room. Sarah was standing at the top of the stairs, one small hand on the banister. There's a man here to see you, she said in her sickly sweet little voice, as she smiled disdainfully down at him. He hated that bitch. Tell him to piss off. What's the time? Oh, seven fifteen. the clock blinked. 
Go away, he growled. Still smiling, Sarah left, her attitude of superiority over her much older stepbrother coming out in her walk. Will rolled over and went to sleep again. Footsteps woke him up. I told you to fuck off, he grumbled. Steve coughed and Will knew it was him. Morning, he said awkwardly, rubbing his neck. Good morning, Will frowned. You were allowed in? Your parents aren't in. Will propped himself up in his bed and reached for a top. Steve was always neat and better groomed than Will, yet despite his combed black hair and shiny shoes, he shared his unruliness. He passionately held political and ethical beliefs about human equality and social hierarchy. His other features were all similar to Will's. They both had the same healthy figure, they were both clever, and they were both fascinated with firearms. They shared the same friends, and neither was often caught in conversation without the other. They both thought of each other as the brother they'd never had. I need a big favor, Steve told him as he took a seat at Will's desk and browsed through his computer. Will raised his eyebrows. I'm going away for a few weeks, and I need someone to look after my dog. There was a pause while Steve waited, and Will thought. It's family business. Family business. Will knew what that meant. Steve's family were quiet, wealthy Italian-Americans who often came back from their holidays with more money than they left with. Nobody ever mentioned the M-word, but everybody thought it. Steve's chiseled face was desperate. All right, but he can't come inside, Will eventually told him. Thank you, Steve sighed, relief washing over him. You still have Pooch's old kennel, don't you? Yeah, but I'll need some dog food, right? Will asked as he got out of bed. Nah, don't worry about that. Taz will eat anything. Sure enough, Taz would eat anything. He ate noisily and discourteously, rubbing his wide brown muzzle all over the food. His body was stout, yet bulging with muscle. His velvety black coat was stretched tightly across his rippling warm back, and his skull felt solid as rock. I don't think he likes me, Will said with concern. Taz looked up from his feast of pizza and pizza box, chewed a bit, and looked back. See that? Will exclaimed, pointing. See what? He gave me an evil look. That's because you were talking about him. Steve mumbled as he fiddled with the Beretta 92G Elite II semi-automatic pistol. Will paused. Of course Taz didn't know he was talking about him. Oi! He said loudly. Taz, you bitch! Taz looked up and stared Will in the face. Will stared straight back, something he had learned from a nature program. In the animal kingdom, and the human kingdom, eye contact is a sign of confrontation. If Will stared down Taz, the huge brown slobbering Rottweiler, he would show him who was boss. The tension built as Taz shuffled to face him. All Will wanted to do was turn to see if Steve was watching this, but this was a matter of human pride. Eventually, Taz broke away and returned to his food. Did you see that? See what? Steve murmured, again not looking up. Will fell into describing his victory and was soon lecturing on about the nature program he had seen. The pair stood there for a while in their hidden corner of the park, Steve fading in and out of what Will was saying, Taz licking his black hanging lips. Try that. Steve handed him the pistol. Will examined it intimately, folding it over and over in his hands. They were of course too young to buy guns, but had been collecting them since they were kids. All it took was a hobo, a small roll of cash, a bottle of spirit, and some persuasion. Will felt the cold weight in his hands and whipped it up as fast as he could, closing his left eye and looked down the sights. After playing with it some more, testing his draw speed, he stooped, brushed aside some brush, and lifted the lid to their hidden stockpile of weapons. 
In this hidden padlocked locker, they harbored a total of six weapons, five pistols of varying makes and one Uzi carbine. They also had boxes of ammunition, several holsters, and a filthy piece of body armor that had washed up on the bank. I love America, Steve laughed, proudly surveying their beauties. Will tied Taz up to Pooch's soggy old kennel and despondently entered his house. His mother and three stepsisters were all in the kitchen having dinner. Will rarely ate with his family. Hauling his confidence together, he strolled into the kitchen. They all looked up. He didn't. He could feel Sarah's haughty smile and his mother's pained face burning into the side of his face. What? he asked, turning to confront them. They were still in their grammar school uniform of green and gray. Dot looked from him to his mother, awaiting a response. She was wearing a white blouse, a tight gray cardigan, and patterned tights. Will felt something strong leap in his chest. Nobody said anything, Will, Sarah said leeringly, tucking into her meal. His mother looked away painfully and drew into herself. Little Kim opened a textbook. She never talked. Will was left looking at Dot. He remembered his earlier showdown with Taz and smiled. She smiled back. They held one another's gazes across the sterile white kitchen. They were interrupted by a noise outside, and Dot blushed and started to fluster with some textbooks. Will poured himself a glass of orange juice and stood and drank it, the suffocating silence surrounding him. How was your day? he asked, trying to break the thick, thick ice. There was a dreadful silence as they scraped their plates and ignored him. Sarah looked to her stepmother with raised eyebrows, and little Kim and his mother's back stayed facing him. After a few more dripping seconds, Dot piped up. It was good, Will grinned. His mother gave Dot a look he couldn't see and shook her head. Dot's face fell to one of dismay. She gave Will a final glance and then moved and sat so that her back was to him. Annoyed yet bemused by this immaturity, Will left the room. It was a hot afternoon, and Will was back in his room reminiscing. He had been six when his dad had walked out on him and his mum. There had been another row in the living room, and Will had been crying on the stairs. Something had smashed, and his dad had stormed out. His only goodbye to his only son was a vicious look and a, What? The next few years had not been fun. They had moved from home to home, downsizing each time. His mother had worked full-time, seven days a week, in a private hospital. She had brought him Pooch, a small yapping mongrel, to keep him company. One day, his mother had brought home a man with a shirt and tie called Michael. She had been caring for his dying wife for many years. Will remembered how Michael had shaken his hand and tried to pet Pooch. Pooch had barked and barked and barked and snarled with his pointy teeth. Life got better after his mother met Michael. They moved in with him, into the house Will was lying in now and Pooch had been given the giant garden all to himself. At first, Will would not be separated from Pooch, and he had taken his blankets down and slept in the kennel. Will stretched out his legs and tucked his duvet in around him. Pooch had been put down for biting little Kim's friend, and Will had never forgiven Michael for it. Will left these thoughts and let his mind fall onto new ones. He wondered at this moment what subject Dot was revising for right now, what kind of criminality Steve was involved in, how similar Taz's life was to his. What Dot thought of him? If Dot thought about him. He was diverted from his thoughts by the camera. There was a black security camera in the corner of his room. How had he not noticed it when he came in? It did not move. There was no blinking light. It just perched there, black and shiny. He walked over and examined it. Embedded into the side were the letters CCTV. There were no visible connecting wires, and it was secured to the wall by four black screws. 
Will cursed. Earlier he had smuggled in the Beretta with Steve. The locker in the park was rusting, and hidden it in Pooch's old kennel. Only at the last minute had he decided not to hide it in his room. He placed a hand on the camera. It was warm. Twisting it to the side, he heard and felt a click. He kept twisting, slowly and carefully. He bent it so it was facing the wall, and then marched out of the room. For your own protection, his mother whimpered. For my own protection, Will repeated, his tone trembling. For your own protection. Will turned and faced the door, a tremendous rage building in him, bubbling and growing like a chemical reaction. Why would I need protection? He eventually muttered, struggling to keep control. His mother cowered under his anger, fleeing from eye contact. Will looked at her. As he surveyed her from across the living room, he realized how pathetic she was. His face shifted into one of disgust. He was ashamed of her. You think I've become dangerous, he spoke, seating himself. You think I'm out of control? Will thought of the pistol concealed in Taz's kennel. A loose cannon. The bad feeling returned to Will as his mother started to cry again. She was scared of him, scared of having to talk to him. The bad feeling doused his anger and spread like a disease around his body. He became uncomfortable. Inside he was writhing and screaming. He stood. His tearful mother flinched. You make me feel sick. There was a collision of emotion in Will's head as he left the living room to the sound of his mother's sobs. He hated her, but at the same time, he hated himself. He would have to pass Dot's room, and she always had the door open. His hands were clammy as he walked the wide corridor. He stopped before the doorway. She could hear him. He took a step forward and was in the doorway. She saw him. They embraced each other's gazes across the room of books and papers. Dot sat behind her desk, pen in hand, her face innocent and slightly startled. Happy, not scared or hating. Will's eyes were wide and angry, yet his face was one of plea like that of a puppy. He loved Dot fanatically. He snapped back into the reality of things and an instant sense of foolishness crashed over him. He switched from puppy to hound, gave Dot a menacing glare and stormed off to his distant room, his hatred returned. Will was lying on his bed. To his right was the humming of the computers, and to his left was the silence of the stairs. Behind him were books, and before him was his wall of meaningless certificates and photos. He heard the bark. Then he heard the screams. Sarah and Little Kim had found Taz. He strode to the window and looked out. Sarah and Little Kim were running full pelt down the garden, crying. They weren't hurt, and Taz wasn't chasing them. Taz's wide rear was poking out of the kennel, and he was trying to get back to sleep. Will laughed to himself then started to worry about what he was going to do. There was no way Michael would let him keep Taz, even if it was just for a week or two. Will felt sad for Taz. He had grown quite attached to him over the last few days. He loved his grumpy loyalty and his utter laziness. Smiling, Will turned around. Dot was standing at the top of the stairs across Will's bedroom. His mouth slumped open as she looked back at him with her sweet vulnerability. Hi, he smiled, raising his hand to wave. She smiled back, then sobered. My dad wants to see you. Will did not take it in at first. He was lost in her. He had never quite appreciated how pretty she was. Her skin was so soft and clean, just looking at her set off fireworks inside him. He was grinning at her. She smirked for a moment, then left. She was at the door. Dot, Will blurted. His heart was racing. She stopped and looked back, a smile on her lips. Will's palms were hot. He opened his mouth and louder than necessary said, I, 
I can't stop thinking about you. She stopped smiling, blushed, and left. Will stood for a while, not breathing, not moving. He was a statue. Then slowly he sank. Sarah came up five minutes later and reminded him that Michael wanted to see him. He had completely forgotten. All he could think was how much of a fool he was. Why had he said it? Oh, well, he thought to himself, at least it couldn't get any worse. He composed himself and made his way downstairs where Michael was waiting for him. Michael was rather feminine. He hosted no sideburns or stubble, his fingernails were manicured, and his skin was soft like dots. He was always in a shirt and tie, and these were always in a shade of blue or purple. His face was pointed and rodent-like, yet at the same time calm and handsome. Whose dog is it? he asked, an eerie false friendliness in his voice. A friend's, Will replied quietly, not looking at Michael. Michael tautened his lips and took a breath. He's going to a dog home tomorrow morning. He's not mine, Will bursted. You can't sell him for fuck's sake. I'm not going to sell him, Michael replied, taking on a condescending tone. I'll just look after him until your friend feels like taking him back, Will glared at him. Why can't he just stay in the garden for a week? He's not doing any harm. Nobody uses the garden anyway. Will, this isn't a discussion, Michael said smarmily. Will felt the wrath he had subdued earlier with his mother returning. He's chained up, for fuck's sake. How's he supposed to bite anyone? He said loudly as he took a step toward Michael. Michael tensed. I'm not taking any risks. You know what the last mutt did? There was a spark inside Will and something ignited. He was silent for some moments and then he shouted. Fuck you! Michael raised his eyebrows and smirked sardonically. You killed my dog. My dog that was smaller than you. You fucking coward. Let's not talk about cowardice, Will. No, let's. Okay, Will, Michael said, his contempt leaving. You beat up school children. Technically, I am a school child. So? You are a bully, Will. You prey on the weak. I don't prey on anyone, Will said. I never hit someone when they're down. That's because they don't need any more hitting when they're down. A sinister pride floated up from Will's anger. The two of them were no more than a foot apart now, both standing strong and tense. Will knew he didn't prey on anyone. He was a hero to the school nerds and creeps. Not being particularly popular, he was only famous for his temper and detentions. Will was not a jock. Michael eventually broke off and left the house, claiming he had a meeting. Will slipped back to his room and the house became calm again. The time was quarter past six. Will was browsing the internet, wasting the time away. He decided he would leave this home and travel just as soon as he had money. He would quit school. They were going to expel him soon anyway, get a full-time job, and save up. He savored the prospect. What about Dot? Would he ever see her again? Eventually she'd leave home, though, and he couldn't just follow her. No, he'd have to leave that chapter of his life behind. He was decided on that. But he wanted her so much. She'd probably turn into a lawyer, a wealthy lawyer. She'd marry, have children, retire, and die. She would always fall in line and obey. She would always look both ways before she crossed a road. Just another faceless cog in the procession of the world. Will was called downstairs by his mother. The six of them collected in the living room. Michael sat with a glass of gin, his tie loose, and his shirt untucked. Dot sat as far away from Will as she could and avoided all eye contact. Will leaned in the doorway, his face shadowed by the light behind him, looking from Michael to Dot. His mother sat on the sofa with little Kim, and Sarah stood. The approaching dusk was calm and warm. Michael eventually spoke. You're going to have to leave. 
A pause ensued. Glances were exchanged. It won't be for long. It's just that Mom and I are going to need you not to be here for a while. The girls looked scared. Will frowned and his mother looked guilty. I can't quite explain it right now. Your brother... Step-brother, Sarah interrupted. The family gave her a scornful look. Your brother, Michael continued slowly, is going to look after you. Michael looked at Will, and Will looked at him, and for the first time, there was not tension. Where are we going? Sarah asked. Just, Michael paused, away. I'll explain it all later, but for the time being, you're going to have to trust me. I need you to promise me you won't come back until I say you can. Promise me. They all promised, Will, Dot, Sarah, and little Kim. Solemnly, and not understanding why, they promised. Right, Michael nodded. Girls, go pack your school bags with clothes. Why are school bags? Sarah asked. Because they're smaller, Michael answered irritably. Please, Sarah, can you just do this for Daddy? The girls left, and Will remained in the doorway, confused. His parents were acknowledging his presence. What's really happening? He asked plainly, shutting the door. The pair looked to each other. We're in trouble, Michael stated, his wife nodding in concurrence. Money trouble. Will leant back, his expression grim. Your mother and I were both in it together. We borrowed money and paid it back. Only our lender didn't want that sort of repayment. Michael paused. Will was confused. They lent us money, and in return wanted something we couldn't give. What do you want me to do? I want you to look after my daughters. Where do you want me to go? As far away as you can, Michael said seriously, leaning forward. Mexico. Michael handed him his heavy wallet. There's a thousand bucks in there and more on the cards. The pin numbers are here. Michael pointed to the section of the wallet where various numbers had been carefully scratched in. The three of them sat in the living room for a while longer, each deep in thought. Will told them about his gun. They weren't angry, just surprised. I'll go get it then, was the last thing he ever said to them. Taz was awake when Will approached. He fastened the holster around his shoulders and linked Taz to his hefty lead chain. Donning his jacket, he walked round to the front of the house where Dot was waiting. Without speaking, he gently handed her the wallet, brushing her hand as he did so. The clouds were dancing and rays of red and the orange street lights were coming to life. The leafless trees cast stretched shadows over the gravel drive. Will waited on the road with Taz, feeling the tender breeze that lifted the autumn debris. They watched from a distance, silhouetted against the setting sun as the others said their farewells, the adults forcing back tears. His mother eventually approached him. He stepped back when she tried to hug him, shaking his head. He wanted to tell her she had stopped being his mother a long while ago, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. She wept and Will felt no remorse. When they left, he did not wave or even look. Will walked alert at the front with Taz and Sarah held little Kim's hand. The suburban road was every shade of autumn as it stretched on for miles, homes lining its sides. The light wind tossed the orange leaves up and round, leaving them to settle in gutters and bushes. Taz had picked up the graveness of the situation and was being unreservedly obedient. Dot came up alongside Will. You don't have a bag, she pointed out. Will did not reply. He did not need to. The pair walked on quietly. Sarah and little Kim were listening to music when the three cars drove past. They were all black and all had tinted windows. Will felt the danger. They were driving far too fast. He strode on. A moment later, he and Dot heard the gravel crunch as they pulled into the drive. Dot stopped and looked to Will. 
keep... He was interrupted by a shout from their house. Sarah and little Kim were oblivious. Let's speed up, he told Dot. They sped up. There was a horrible silence. They could hear the distant traffic on the main road and some tinny music coming from a nearby house. The temperature dropped. Dot gave Will a look of pure anxiety. Will just looked back at her. Then came the gunshot. Both their eyes snapped wide open and their hearts leapt, but they kept walking. Little Kim giggled at something Sarah had done. All of a sudden, a stream of tremendously loud gunfire broke out. Yet they kept walking faster and faster. Will fell to the back with Taz. Sarah and little Kim could hear it now and distress was building up. Dot swallowed her terror and hurried them along. Through the cacophony, Will heard Michael roar, and in him leapt a painful pride. Eventually, the noises trickled away. It was twilight. Will was poker-faced and focused as he walked behind the other three. Sarah and little Kim clutched Dot's hand, both of them terrified. Then there came a shout from behind. Keep up! They all froze like animals caught by a car's headlights. Will barked at them to hide. The girls were behind a hedge, meters from Will. Whatever happens, stay hidden, Will muttered as he cocked his Beretta pistol behind his back. Steve came jogging around the bend in the road, gun in hand. His face dropped and he trailed to a halt. His mouth hung open and he shook his head. Will was poker-faced and standing tall. Taz wagged his dock tail and strained toward Steve. A miniature hurricane of leaves coiled in the road and the last of the sun dripped away. Loud footsteps preceded a second man jogging heavily into view. The man was large and stocky, dressed similar to Steve in jeans and a jacket. He had a pistol in his hand. What the fuck you looking at? He bellowed at Will, aiming the gun at his forehead. Will looked firmly into his eyes. He's one of us, Steve yelled, pointing at Taz. The man smiled when he saw the dog. You seen three girls come this way? The man asked, lowering his weapon. Yeah, Will croaked. That way. He couldn't point. His left hand was holding Taz's lead, and his right was cradling his pistol behind his back. He nodded down the road. The man half-smiled and headed off. Frowning, Steve gave Will a confused look, then set off at a jog again. Will raised his pistol, aimed, and shot the large man in the back three times. The gunshots echoed as the man crashed to the ground dead. Steve twisted around. I'm so sorry, Will shouted, aiming the gun at him. Steve slowly faced him, holding his pistol at his side. You just killed my brother, he howled. I don't want to kill you. Steve looked about frantically, his teeth bared. He saw Dot cowering behind the hedge and gave Will a hateful look. He raised his gun. Will killed him. Steve was sprawled across the pavement, his chest blown open and his eyes hollow and open. His slightly ajar mouth was trickling dark blood. The other man was lying face down in the gutter, a boulder of a body. Before he could lower his arm, Will felt Taz growl. Without thinking, he gave the dog a powerful kick in the ribs. Taz whelped, and then accepted his new master. Will collected the guns and fastened them into his shoulder holster. Little Kim was wailing at the top of her voice. Dot and Sarah looked faint. Shut her up, Will ordered. Immediately, Dot set about soothing Little Kim, holding her to her bosom and rocking her. Sarah stared at the bodies. Sarah, Will said. Sarah didn't respond. Sarah, he repeated louder. She looked at him. Don't look at the bodies. Little Kim giggled in squeamish delight as Taz wiped his drooling tongue over her hands. Sarah laughed and tickled his furry side. Dot smiled at Will. They were in their own third-class cabin on a ship out of America. Little Kim, Sarah, and Taz were playing on the floor and Will and Dot were sitting on the bed. You know, Dot proposed, you can always clean your guns tomorrow. Will promptly placed them back in the case. 
She grinned and shifted closer to him so their sides were touching. She was warm. They looked out of the circular window, out to sea, and were free. This has been Sentinel by John Tusk, read by John Prusinski. This story is copyright John Tusk, audio performance, copyright Vox Fabula. For more information about this author and more great audio fiction, please visit voxfabula.com.